We are now just a month away from the NFL season, and we spent the past weeks drinking from the fire hose of training camp news. There's nobody in the industry better to help us separate the signal from the noise than Roto World's Pat Doherty. Let's find out whether you should be buying the dip or the rise on the biggest market movers in the fantasy football landscape. This is ADP Chasing. Let's go. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> This is what? This is what I'm hot. Anita hand, hand job. Fix your sight. Jamar. Alpha play chase. <laughs> Are you <laughs> kidding me? Kadarius <laughs> Tony? You can't handle the heat. Hey, it looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the first August edition of ADP Chasing. Uh, we started this back in... February, I think we started. We started way too early, but uh, anyways, we're joined today. Uh, normal uh, crew, except we got Gretch uh, here subbing in for for Davis, and also joined by Roto Pat uh, of Roto World. Pat, um, how is your how's your August been going? You've been grinding athletic articles. How's your sort of uh, training camp news? Uh, you know, reading going been going well but my life has been forever changed since um the colt mccoy pointing thing that's kind of changed things around here I never had a podcast with a bigger reaction than we got to johnny venerable kind of blowing the lid off tell the story again just in case there's someone who hasn't heard and that was incredible because everyone wants to hear it again even if they have the cardinals are doing reps with colt mccoy you know they're starting quarterback but he doesn't throw he points <laughs> Um, so when he drops back and when someone's open, he points at them. And that's where he would have thrown the 30 yard completion. Were he able to throw where the starting quarterback able to throw yeah, a football. So. The crazy thing is I, I like reposted one of those clips to Twitter and I got people like angry at my mentions being like, this is completely normal that like the first team quarterback is just pointing at people. Like clearly you, clearly you've never watched a football practice before. And I'm like, I, I don't think it's normal no, at it's all. Not, like, what, it's not, like, what are you? I'm gonna go in your. I'm gonna go in your uh, replies and just quote retweet some of those guys and goes. This guy knows ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sam, I saw you tweet correctly that there are apocalyptic vibes emanating out of Arizona Cardinals training camp. <laughs> yeah, not just it's everything. Yeah. He, yeah. Everything from Cardinals camp too. It's like the camera angles are really weird. It's like <laughs> super like zoomed out, like just yeah. Well, and they're, they're practicing like, everything on their, about it is just yeah, and they're like practicing yeah. on their real field, which just makes it feel weird. Like they're just in their stadium since it's 129 degrees in Phoenix, so they can't practice anywhere than oh, they're not even using the the practice yeah. field. They might be for some things, but uh, one of the infamous pointing clips was in the actual stadium. Um, so yeah, just uh. Just to have it at Cardinals, having a normal one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gretch, uh, welcome back to ADP Chasing. I think it's been a while since you've been on. How was uh, your weekend? I heard you drove down to, to Oregon, get some more drafts in. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Weekend is was good, busy. It's that time of year. A lot of writing uh, over on the Stand Signals newsletter. I can't, you know, I, I can't do the Davis voice. I don't have the wig like uh, like Pete does, but I'm glad. I've always wanted to sub for Davis. It just feels feels great. I'm gonna bring some hot takes today. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll be talking about plenty of Chiefs players, so you'll get a chance to uh, channel your your inner Davis Matic. Um, let's just dive into it, guys. We got a lot of camp news to discuss. I think 
compared to normal shows, we're going to be focused just on risers and fallers um, on this show. Um, so what we're going to do is sort of talk about the biggest risers and fallers and then walk through the camp news that sort of, or whatever the news cycle is that's sort of causing these players to either rise or fall in ADP. Um, so the first one that jumps out here, Jalen Hyatt is the biggest riser by percentage change in ADP and draw change in ADP over the past week. He was going, you know, sort of almost undrafted at uh, pick 202, has risen two rounds in the last week. So that's a pretty big rise up to pick 179. Um, what's basically caused this, uh, I think a couple things. One, just camp highlights. Jalen Hyatt, obviously super fast. He looks good uh, playing in shorts, sprinting down the football field. And two, he is getting some first team reps with the Giants in practice, which is interesting. Um, start with you, uh, Rotopat. Curious what your thoughts are on the Giants wide receivers core and Jalen Hyatt as well. Wasn't Hyatt, isn't a lot of this been with Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor? Actually, he's going by Tyrod again. Isn't a lot of this like with Tyrod Taylor? was kind of my first thought. I think some of the crane, some of the, like the gifts I've seen, like oh, Tyrod hitting Jalen Hyatt for another bomb as Daniel Jones you know, talks to the press score about, he's going to throw even shallower in 2022, 2023, whatever year it is. And that, that was my first impression. I feel like every time I see a tweet about Jalen Hyatt, it's also in reference to Tyrod Taylor. Or is that my imagination? I think that was true for a time because the reports out of minicamp and stuff was that he was with the third team offense. And then we he had you know, the, the narrative with, you know, these day ball uh, kind of move is to bring rookies along slowly. Um, and, you know, Slayton and him seem like very kind of overlapping in their skill sets. And Slayton is sort of a trusted, you know, veteran. And so it was just like, seemed like he was going to get brought along slowly. But today I was actually reading in the athletic, uh, quote from this article. It says Hyatt has proved fast to be fast at everything, including moving up the depth chart. Hyatt, who spent time during the break before camp working with quarterback Daniel Jones, earned more reps with the starters after repeatedly burning a second team defense for long touchdowns. The big playability continued with the starters as Jones and Hyatt connected for two deep touchdowns in Thursday's practice. So I, I feel like this is starting to be like a genuine drumbeat. Like a dude, they kind of intended to bringing along slowly and he's sort of speeding up their plans a little bit. I would say he's still probably a late season bet, but the odds of him coming on down the stretch appear to be getting better. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, I believe Dov, the man known as Dov circulated the clip of Daniel Jones hitting him for a bomb over the weekend. And it, I thought it was a bit of a Tua type throw. Like, man, he really wound up for a long time on that pass, like longer than you can normally wind up in a real NFL game, uh, but did hit him for a deep bomb where he was falling backwards. And yeah, he has begun to, I still, I think his, his like overall reps of the first team offense are still, he's like ninth in first team reps or something, but he, he is getting first team reps. They're no longer just ninth team. among, among wide receivers. I mean, or, I'm exactly, you know, Sterling Shepard and Cole Beasley and all those teams. So, I, mean, I know they have a million receivers. Yeah, yeah Gretch, I think I meant more ninth in targets with the first team offense, all not right, ninth in reps. Uh, they right. do, yeah, a lot of. They, they, I think that's still, actually close to, yeah, that's close to accurate. I get there. Oh. There's still a slot. Sorry, receiver. guys. I think something's going on with my Wi Fi, but we can hear you fine. Yeah. You seem normal. You we, just seem like oh, freaking okay. out over nothing to us. Okay. 
I was trying to make the joke uh, Uh, several times that the Giants need one or two more slot receivers. Yeah, they do. They definitely need some more slot receivers. I'm Uh, I'm concerned about their ability to. They're signing Jarvis Landry any any day. (laughs) Jarvis Landry was spotted at Newark. This is no joke, Julian. Edelman, Julian Edelman was spotted at the no, practice. Come on. So. come on, man. No, I'm not. I'm actually not joking. Like, I think not as like a tryout, but he was actually physically there. He must be. He, he um, you know, Dable's but he got was Daniel, um Sam, you might want to close and reopen. Delay. Yeah, you're, you're delaying. I, I'm, you I'm going to leave and, and come back. Yeah. We'll Do you think Davis way. is on a delay all the time? <laughs> Dable, he wants some of that big Pats energy. Everyone forgets, not everyone forgets, a lot of people remember actually that Brian Dable is a Pats disciple, but he's most recently, you know, of the Bills. But yeah, maybe maybe he's just behind on doing the things that all horrible former Pats assistants do. Like, like, wow, Brian Dable's first year with the Giants actually hired people that didn't work for Bill Belichick. Now year two, he's like, all right, let's get in all the the Belichick people now. I think Dable, like, we need to get to the bottom of his discipleship because is he a a Belichick disciple or a Saban disciple? I know it is confusing. It's admittedly I don't know what the canon is on that. We need to go to Bella Saban wiki and like really really you know sort through the mythology. I, I think there. he's a Saban disciple because it's the success followed Saban. I think I think he's considered a Belichick disciple. Although I think he was with Saban all the way back at like Michigan State. Like in the '90s, it's really it's like a <laughs> sordid tale. Uh, I'm learning a lot about Brian Dable. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Far. It, it's a sordid tale. I believe <laughs> he spent sorted. time with Mangini. So oh, okay, it is sordid. There's a lot going <laughs> on there with Brian Dable. <laughs> We're playing. Remember some guys, Gretch. I'm curious how you. <laughs> curious how I what. Yeah. <laughs> curious how you're how you're um this is a disaster there's something going on with my wi-fi i'm trying my best um <laughs> you're like Gretch, how are you how are you approaching uh high rounds of drafts um i haven't been taking i haven't been taking a lot of him i've been avoiding the giants for the most part just out of this idea that i'm i'm a quite a bit more narrow I think with my late round wide receivers than most drafters I'm not really just like mixing in guys to stack uh I like I I feel like you know you definitely want bring backs like if you're doing like a ram stack um but I don't think you have to have them I don't think any of the research I've read is like you know you have to have them as a precursor to win necessarily and so like if it's not a great bet then it's not a great bet there's I think almost a certainty that one of these Giants receivers is going to beat ADP and everything you guys are saying about Hyatt's kind of drum beat does have me a little excited like I think going forward I will take a little bit more Hyatt but for the most part to me it's been such a cloudy situation that I haven't wanted to prioritize it um I also haven't taken a ton of Daniel Jones so that's maybe part of it as well so I I wrote an article that came out last week on um Hyatt was one of the guys I used as an example it's just like kind of a little bit of um like a tactic I thought was kind of interesting in these week 17 uh type formats you know the the best ball mania type playoff contest um where if you're taking Hyatt right you're not necessarily even betting on the Giants offense like if you're taking Slayton you're betting on the Giants offense to some degree because like Slayton's sort of a status quo bet on him maintaining starter reps, you know, Daniel Jones is 
putting up a lot of points early in the season. That's good for Slayton. Hyatt can benefit from like chaos and, you know, the depth chart just getting reshuffled. And so like the Giants don't necessarily even need to have that great of a season. You just are kind of betting on him. And he is still priced, even though he's moving up. He's still priced as a late round dart throw that you really just want to come on for the playoff weeks. Those guys are pretty interesting as bringbacks. Like if you're trying to get more Hyatt in, maybe try to get him in on Matthew Stafford teams where you really are just betting on that week 17 bring back potential. If the giants are a disaster before the Rams push them in week 17, who cares? Yeah. Which also gets to your, to, to your point earlier that Hyatt could be a good late season. I mean, he feels like if there's a little bit of drum beat here, it feels to me like a really nice, one of those rookie late season bets. We know rookies score more later in the year. So that's, I, I, I like that take a lot. He's somebody I want to mix in. One thing I do want to note if, um, you know, on on Pat's comment about Daniel Jones <clears throat> basically saying he's going to throw shorter. I mean, I think no, one sorry, of the biggest he, I, he didn't really say that. By the way, <laughs> it's just uh... okay. I, I was going to say if you were serious about it because I couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah, and no, sorry, and you would I would be someone to trust on that since I read the news all day. He uh, I did not mean to mislead you there. <laughs> but I, but I will even even if he hasn't said that, it's a valid. It, it, you know, there's some truth to the joke, obviously, and it's a it's an interesting point because. I just, you know, you just mentioned I, I had Sam that that long drive to Oregon. I finished uh, listening to Jordan Rodriguez' awesome Playmakers oh, series, so five part series at the Athletic. Incredible. I mean, I, I do think one of the things we are missing as a fantasy industry is how the defense is played in 2022 and in 2021, and how Adox came down. You have Robert Sala, I think, in episode four, or maybe episode five of that series, literally saying. Our goal is to stop explosive plays. Like we, he's straight up saying, we want you to matriculate the ball down the field, which is one of the things that you know we speculated about. I think in the fantasy industry, I know Sean and I talked about it a ton of stealing bananas last year. Like that's the goal of these defenses right now. This cover two shell and the way that they're doing things is to stop explosive plays and make you beat them underneath. Jalen Hyatt and these types of prospects for me are a little bit thinner bets as a result of the atmosphere they're coming into in the 2022 NFL or 2023 NFL over like a a multi-decade span. Like we're coming into an era where defense's focus is to stop explosives. This is an explosive play receiver. So I'm like a little bit more intrigued by like the upside profile of Wondell Robinson, for example. That's the giant that I have taken on some bringbacks. I don't love him. There's a lot of spots. I took Robinson a lot, but then I was like, they're signaling a, like this dude might not play this year. They literally like signed Cole Beasley. I mean, yeah. Once they signed Cole Beasley, I was like, Oh, <laughs> Robinson might be a 2024 play. <laughs> like that's I'm starting to get pretty nervous well, about the, the injury and just how many, Cole, literally how many slot receivers they have on the roster. Like sort of, it could be a signal. I think. Yeah. So maybe it's the giants isn't a, isn't the, the right way of making this point, but Hyatt in general. And just like, there's, there's several other deep threats where like, I kind of like the profiles, but I'm reminding myself like, these are the types of players, and these are the, they succeed in the types of areas that NFL defenses are trying to take away right now. And it's a copycat league, and all the defenses are doing. Yeah, the, the uh, car was thrown in reverse last year, Gretch. Like you said, it's not just anecdotal. I mean, we know empirically from advanced stats, from just the raw stats, the car was already kind of beginning to idle, and like the big play thing was like officially thrown in reverse last year. And yeah, Jalen Hyatt could be like an MVS like cannon fodder type guy. Like your whole job is to absorb like fire down sure. the field and yep. you're not going to get the ball, especially since Daniel Jones now under back-to-back coaching staffs, won a horrible coaching staff and then won a very good coaching staff still just does not like to throw deep, even though he always grades out well at doing it. 
He doesn't yeah. do it. He doesn't like to do it. I think the cover two thing is definitely like real. Like it definitely there was an uptick in cover two, but I, I, I feel like I remember. I feel like I remember Kevin Cole pushing back on just like how much more. And like the idea, like it, it actually feels to me like it might be potentially kind of an overblown thing. Well, Crane, it's also like it's 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 not like it's the most difficult coverage look to beat. Like teams knew yeah. how to do it; they just teams they didn't have, have to do it decades for like two of decades. yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other thing is, I, I so I think like if you're the Bengals, if you're looking at the Bengals and you're like, I think Irv Smith might see some dump off targets because they're just gonna. Then I I agree with that, but with like teams like the Giants, like. I think, you know, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley are probably going to run together a, a lot. Like, the, you know, they were using Daniel Jones more as like a mobile quarterback. And a, the trick with like what Dayball is going to be trying to do is get them out of the cover two by running it and then take shots when they are. So with a guy like Hyatt, right, you're playing but defenses the- aren't getting out of it. That's like we keep talking about this on fantasy pods, but like defenses aren't rolling out of the cover two. They're staying in it. That's why we had teams run or like throw at like record-breakingly low levels, or also high yeah. levels last year. The Bucks I, I might have to dig into this because, like, I, I think that's happening to like the Chiefs and stuff. But I don't think like you're playing like why would you, why would you play like why would you just be like I can't let you know Daniel Jones beat me deep when he's mobile or Justin Fields <laughs> beat me deep when he's mobile? Like these guys, they stacked it like the Falcons faced a lot of stacked boxes last year because. Because they had Marcus Mariota, you know, like they weren't, he wasn't seeing those cover two shells the same way these other guys are. By the way, the Giants, how many receivers do you think they have on their 90 man roster right now? You're allowed uh, to carry 90 players during training. 12. They do have 12. 12 Sam 12, is correct. 12 receivers. That does not include Wandale, who's not on the active roster since he's on the pup list. And so they've got 13 if they've got Wandale. Seems like. A lot of players at one position when you're allowed to be total players. <laughs> yeah. Especially because Derek Waller's gonna split out some. I mean, I know. If you haven't you haven't got yeah. a tight end who's gonna split so out wide receiver. They're saying that too. You you were you were mentioning that a while back, Gretch. And I've I've seen reports now that they do have sets with Bellinger at tight end and Waller moving around the formation. So like on top, on top of everything, you're going to have to deal with Darren Waller playing wide receiver. which Their is best wide fun. receiver isn't even one of those 13 guys. Like that's, yeah. That was their big wide receiver addition is a tight end. Colin Johnson's also gotten some buzz. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. <laughs> they let their best yeah, Last thing I'll say, and then let's move on to Justin. Yeah. Last thing I'll say, and then we'll move on to Justin Ross. Uh, Jalen Hyatt does have less catches than Cole Beasley in 11 on 11 team drills through nine practices. So um, that doesn't, I, doesn't I do, seem like the hype is fully, fully justified, but I, I do kind of get it for the late season breakout. I do want to circle back on that too high. Let's point talk, let's talk to Justin Ross. Oh, yeah. Real quick, Nick makes a great point about the play caller thing is that they're showing these two eye looks, they're rotating post snap. The defenses are doing more adjustments after the snap, That's making true, quarterbacks yeah. read things. That was the, the main point of play callers. It's not as simple as, oh, they're not getting out of too high. The whole point was that they're not doing what they're showing you. They're not as regulated as Sean McVay called it in the play callers series. They are less regulated, they're moving around more. But my point is their philosophy is to take away space, to take away explosives. And that's, I mean, it's going to impact the 2023 season in a pretty big way. Before I know we have to move on, but and I also know this show is like a we're we're in like the heart of best ball territory. 
But Crane, it was still astonishing to hear you talking about stacking Jalen Hyatt and Matthew Stafford. <laughs> <laughs> it was genuinely astonishing to, and like with a total straight face because it does make sense. That's why you're here, but it was still astonishing. <laughs> well, sorry. Yeah. yeah. I guess I, what I, I'm going to try to dig in on the too high thing a little bit more, Ben, but like my, my big pushback there is just like, I have to imagine that like teams are scheming for Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen pretty differently than for some of these like more mobile quarterbacks that they're just not as afraid of with the deep shot stuff. And they are more afraid right. of their, their legs. They are, but I, I don't think it's as simple. I, I wasn't trying to come down on you necessarily, but I've heard that a lot where it's like, oh, yeah, because they're mobile, they're going to get more one-high looks or whatever. And it's, it's not that simple, I don't think. Maybe not and pre-snap because they're, they're rotating. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe because of rotations and stuff. It probably does open up the downfield passing to have a mobile QB to some degree, but I don't think it's it's going to be as simple as that. Anyway, we should move on to, to the Chiefs. Sam's, Sam's issue to get some Justin Ross talking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we normally spend 45 minutes in the Giants wide receiver room, so it's good to keep it at, at 20 today. Uh, let, let's talk about another team that has seemingly 12 wide receivers that are all getting hype in camp. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Justin Ross is up a round and a half, up 8% in ADP. He is now getting drafted in almost every single underdog draft um, in around the 16th or 17th round right now. Uh, this, again, it's kind of a similar story to Hyatt. There's word he's getting reps with the first team, not necessarily a starter with the first team, but is getting reps with the first team. And the Chiefs Twitter account is just relentless in sending us these Justin Ross highlights. I, I don't know if the guy who manages this has some Justin Ross dynasty shares he's trying to offload. But, man, the, the Justin Ross hype from uh, Kansas City's main account is just uh, absurd. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I, I'm curious – I guess starting with you, um, Pat, uh, what are your thoughts on Justin Ross? Do you think this is legitimate or are we just getting bored at this point in the offseason? So I'm going to assume you meant this Pat me and I will start talking. And Yeah, you, you're Pat for this episode. Yeah, you're I've, Pat. Noticed, I've noticed some of the highlights now do feature pads being worn. So that's good. And it is interesting. It's veering into drumbeat territory. Because it's Chiefs media, it's been some teammates, it's been the big kahuna himself, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I mean, this was always the the thesis of the Justin Ross play, was it not, for the Chiefs and fantasy managers. It wasn't going to be like a one-year thing. He had to red shirt. And he was always like, when we talked about Justin Ross last year, it was like 2023. And we know when that usually happens, we just like never hear from the player again. Like the, like the next year, like they're just out of the league. But Justin Ross is actually living up to the thesis of the play. And his uh, he's doing step one, which is to create lots of training camp content. A lot of people never move on to step two. But as much as I want to joke about it and, like, not get excited about it, like, he, he's checking the – you can't, like, poke a hole in the argument so far. Like, he's doing – as of August 7th, he's doing everything he needs to do through the first 10 days of training camp to, like, maybe actually become a thing. The guy that was this player in Chiefs camp at this time last year was Isaiah Pacheco, and there was a lot of smoke behind or a lot of fire behind that smoke. So, I mean, it, it is interesting to hear this type of this type of buzz from a team that gave us the same type of buzz from a no-name 
or not no name, but a, a, a less heralded player last year and then followed through on that. Gretch, I just got a really galaxy brain idea while you were talking. And I, I, I'm going to share, like, I'm going to share this take. Like, like I actually do maybe believe this, that maybe the chiefs, since they're just so good two two super bowls went in the past four years, maybe they just, they don't care about cloak and dagger training camp stuff anymore. Whereas, you know, like a lot of teams would try to confuse the issue. Like, Oh, Justin Ross. Yeah. I mean, he's playing, yeah, he's on the field, but like, I don't know. It doesn't mean anything like, like, you know, the coaching staff would like do everything to downplay it. They did everything to up the like, up play Isaiah Pacheco last year. And yeah, maybe the chiefs are like so confident. Like they, they don't think they have to like try to keep Justin Ross a secret or try to keep that kind of, it's like freely hyping Justin Ross. I yeah. Or maybe it's like, they want to build his confidence is like a bigger priority than like keeping it a secret because who cares? We have Patrick Mahomes. We don't care who's playing. Exactly. Really. Like, exactly. <laughs> I've also, yeah, I've tried to figure out new ways to bury MVS every episode. And so this, this time, last time I was on a podcast with Pat, I cited open score using all the wide receivers going back to 2017. Um, I'll mix it up this year and include uh, this this episode include the tight ends going back to, to 2017. So uh, open score ESPN's player tracking metric has 648 wide receiver and tight end seasons going back to 2017. MVS last year was ranked 620th of those 648 seasons in open score last year. And then it's also the yards after catch stuff that's that's horrendous for him. Out of those uh, 600, it's actually 649. There's a tie for 648. So 649 seasons. MVS was 638 in yards after catch per the player tracking data. So if you're not getting well, we open, were, you're not doing stuff after the catch, it might be bad. We're talking about Ross. Why is that? Be, like, was anyone making a case for MVS? Because <laughs> I think Ross's path goes directly through MVS. Okay. He is, MVS is like seen as this, well, hey, he's going to get out there. He's going to be running the routes. Like maybe not. Like I think if you're taking MVS, I would – I would be reconsidering it right now with this Ross site because Ross is a, a taller outside wide receiver. Maybe he's taking stuff from Justin Ross to begin with, but like if Tony gets back at some point this year and can actually play, then he's, he would be playing over Justin Watson as well. And they're either running probably sky Moore, or Richie James out of the slot. So if Ross is out there and Tony's out there, MVS is going to be, and by the way, MVS was rotating off last year as well. He didn't have like a locked in route rate even last year. So I don't know. This Ross yeah. stuff at the very least is making me extremely well, no concerned one about MVS. No one did, right? Like as you're no saying that, I was thinking through last year they rotated a lot and they, they'll probably will again this year. But I, I like that take that MVS, he wound up running the most routes in this passing game last year other than Kelsey. And that could come, if that could not happen this year, he could be like third or something. He could come yeah. down pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. The the numbers too, like what I'm wondering with Ross is, you know, he's getting all this hype, but I I still think there is a question if he makes the roster, right? Because assuming let's assume for a second that Tony is healthy enough to be on the roster week one, which maybe isn't a fair assumption, but just go with me for a second. Then if you say Tony's locked into a roster spot, you say, you know, Rasheed Rice, Sky Moore, obviously second round picks the last two years, they're locked into roster spots. You have Justin Watson and MVS both making guaranteed money locked into roster spots, then it, it starts just to get tough. Like typically teams only will cover or will only carry six wide receivers on an active roster and maybe have five active for game days. So the thing with Ross is I'm just like, who, who loses out and doesn't make the roster? If he does, it could be Tony's just injured and they stash Tony on IR and that's sort of how they do it. But 
Yeah, I, I think that's right. He, that, he has to, that's the kind of move that they will make. They won't cut Ross, not after this type of hype and this and and his career and the ways. That, Pat, you could talk to this way better than me, but the Chiefs and the way Andy Reid does stuff, like he loves like these positive stories, right? Like he kind of falls <laughs> in love with them a little bit, right? No, yeah, he kind of does. It is interesting from both of you, though. Like Sam is right. But, I mean, it could be, like, a surprise cut. I mean, we didn't even mention Richie James. Uh, right. Maybe, cut. maybe yeah. Justin Watson, even though they love him, like the staff loves him, Mahomes seems to love him. He has only been with the team, like, one year. Maybe he's been with the team two years. I can't what remember. What are the practice but... squad rules now? Because could they just stash him there? Like, no one's taking him. Who, Justin Watson? Yeah. Yeah, they probably could. Um, yeah. Richie James even can maybe, if you wait till late enough in camp to like cut him, they could maybe even stash him on the practice squad. Uh, cause me, he's like 27. Um, yeah. He like got no money. Yeah. Like, he's kind of become a journeyman, but it is weird. It is, which is also, this is like a little Justin Ross negative. There's been a hype for a lot of random chiefs, like not as much for Richie James and Justin Watson, but like, oh, the chief, they, they love Justin Watson, what he brings. It's always stuff that has nothing to do with like being on the field. <laughs> what he brings yeah. to the whiteboard. Um, <laughs> really good friends of Mahomes, and yeah, they never mention at all like he's getting open all the time or something like that. But yeah, yeah there's going to be a, a, by definition, by necessity, like a surprising cut in the Chiefs receiver board. Well, or I mean, yes, there might be one, but I I like uh, what Rohin's saying here too. And apologies if I got the name wrong, but. Chiefs beat reporter projected Tony starting on IR. As you were talking through this and as you were doing that, Sam, I was like, oh, Tony's definitely not starting on the active roster. They're going to stash him. They're going to say they need time. They need him to get back to 100%, whether it's PUP or whatever they do. They're going to stash him. Well, they so got a little screwed because he he didn't start camp on the pup list. So, like, putting him on the pup would have been by far the best. IR, I guess the IR rules are pretty liberal at this point, though. So he, there's probably a pretty good chance he starts an IR. It used to be more punitive if you wanted to start an IR. Now it doesn't really matter. So almost no chance he's on the active roster week one. You're right, Gretch. Yeah. And by the way, uh, Sam's right about MBS's uh, guaranteed money. They, they can't move on from him. Somehow he has a $10.5 million cap hit this year, which is just absurd. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, it's, they can't really move. I, I do think he can get phased out on MBS, like – I kind of agree with you, Pat, that I think a lot of people are touting MVS as like, oh, he's his role is locked and he's so safe. Yes, he did run a lot of routes last year, but you, I made this point last week in the podcast. You look at week 10 on, Justin Watson actually outsnapped um, MVS from week 10 on last year. Not in terms of routes, but in terms of snaps. So that's just a sign to me that like, hey, maybe, you know, maybe Justin Ross and Justin Watson actually could both pass MVS. And then it's kind of just like, you know, what, what do you do here on this roster MVS? You can become much more of a rotational sort of 20, 30% route rate deep threat versus last year where he was more like 60, 70%. Like I think his role could be cut in half. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, but the what, players passing him there. One more note on his contract. Cause I knew they could have moved on after last year. It says uh, over on over the cap. If on the roster on the third day of 2023 league year, 6.44 million will be fully guaranteed. So, they made a decision this year yeah. to keep him this offseason for six and a half million more guaranteed. Mm. That's why he's owed 10 million, 10 and a half million. Six and a half million of that was a decision made this year. So interesting. I, I'll note with the route rate stuff, he was at 76% last year, which isn't very good for a wide receiver. Marvin Jones was at 76% last year, for example. Um, you know, kind of a part time. Like, so it's just like if he goes much further down, 
So yeah, he's not going to get like fully benched. He's not going to get cut. They clearly like see it, you know. But he's probably Jalen Guyton. You know, he's, he's not just, good. Yeah, he's no, just there he, to stretch. The he's defense. never averaged more than five targets per game in a, in a season in his career. Never did in Green Bay, and he didn't last year with the Chiefs. He's not actually like a target. well. He's never I mean, played. I, with, I, he's never played with a good quarterback. So, <laughs> yeah, only all of three quarterbacks for this guy. Well, if there was that one chat. Someone get MVS a quarterback. But, like, yeah. <laughs> I've pushed back on the two high stuff in some aspects, but I think, like, in this case, like, that he is he's a sacrifice to the two high gods. You know, he he's is. just like, oh, yeah, just run deep and stretch, take a guy with you, and then we'll do something else. <laughs> Let's move on here to talking um, about Marvin Mims. Maybe a guy we're a little bit more uh, excited about than, than Hyatt or Ross. We'll see. Uh, he's up, obviously, on the kind of sad Patrick and Hamler injuries. You got to really feel for both those guys. They've had, you know, terrible luck with injuries throughout their whole career. That does open up a crazy opportunity for him at wide receiver three. Um, I, you know, I, I uh, cited myself here in this picture, but you look at the competition for three wide receiver sets in Denver, assuming that Judy and Sutton are locked in uh, as the starting wide receivers. He's competing with Marquez Callaway, Montreal Washington, Kendall Hinton. Little Jordan Humphrey. It's basically Sean Payton. This is know, amazing playing. that you bothered to this list is... out like Michael Bandy and Taylor. Well, Ryan. I couldn't figure out like how to rank these. Like, how do you rank these players? I was like, oh, my favorite, my favorite <laughs> thing about doing the Broncos projections this year and looking at their depth chart and some of these names is Sean Payton brought over three yes. of his top six receivers in receiving yardage from his final year with the Saints, including Marcus Callaway, led that team with 698 yards. Yes, and one of his uh, reserve running backs in Tony Jones Jr. Right over Marcus Callaway, little Jordan Humphrey, and Adam Adam Troutman, and Tony Jones Jr. All these just random players. Tony Jones was so bad for the Seahawks last year, they used another day two pick on a running back. Like, that's how scarred <laughs> they were by the Tony Jones experience last year. I just love Peyton's, like, I want all these crappy players from my 2021 team that wasn't good enough that I quit. <laughs> 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 well, when you put it that way. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it seems like there's – I mean, at least by the end of the year, I don't see any way that Mims doesn't at least have a shot to run routes. I mean, it'd be crazy if they didn't give him a chance over Callaway or a little Jordan Humphrey. So, I'm pretty excited about him, where he goes in best ball now. Um, I guess start with you, Gretch. Pick 150-ish. That's his his range. Uh, do you think he's a exciting pick there? Did you say me? Sorry, I coughed. Yeah, yeah, Gretch. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I I do. I think he's one of the best double digit uh, upside, you know, late season rookie wide receiver plays. Right, like there's not a ton of profiles in the double digit rounds that we think at wide receiver have a ton of upside. That's why we talk about like you know the wide receiver window and, and wide receiver heavy early in drafts and, and a lot of a lot of those philosophies. Mims is a legitimate double digit round upside profile that could be late in the season somebody who's really hitting. If if Peyton gets this thing turned around, if Russell Wilson's a little bit better. There's some concerns in Cortland Sutton's profile. I've still drafted some Sutton, but like there are paths to Cortland Sutton not being great this year or being sacrificed to the two high gods, right? And then it's Judy and and maybe Mims, who is a good deep threat as well and could be the guy who sacrificed the two high gods, but maybe he winds up doing more in the intermediate range. I mean, there's like we don't know a ton of how Peyton's going to use these guys. He used to rotate receivers a lot in the, with the Saints, so there are some, you know, some concerns here as well. But to your point and to your tweet, the competition is not stiff. He has a really good profile. He's a, a really easy, I think, double-digit upside wide receiver profile is the way that I would put it. The thing that concerns me with Mims so far, though, is all the hype is still from us. Like, it hasn't been from the coaching staff. 
hasn't really been from the Broncos media. Injured rookies get treated like very punitively. And I know he's finally back, but they are never happy when like a, a rookie misses like the first seven or eight days. Like, it usually puts you like back like considerably far. Um, he is at least a Peyton draft pick. So that's really good. So he is. So Peyton brought all these guys over. He's remembering like one guy after another. He did at least draft Marvin Mims. So he's at least a Peyton guy. I'd be much more concerned if he like was like a second year guy and wasn't Peyton's guy. And like Sam was saying, like he's going to have to play. I mean, like almost is going to have to play, but I'm just afraid it could be like a challenge accepted type situation <laughs> where like Sean Peyton likes Marquez Callaway far, far more than the fantasy football community does. And, but again, you guys, you focus on late season a lot as you should and almost impossible to see Marvin Mims not being like at least a staple in three receiver sets by the end of the season and probably much sooner and maybe even in two, some two wide looks. Uh, but I, I have all the hype so far has not been from the people who matter. It's yeah. From people like us. I'll vouch for that because I tried hard to dig up some Marvin Mims like camp clips or like anything <laughs> else to put on this slide to say like, oh, Marvin Mims is doing great in camp. There's nothing. I think a lot of that is because he has been injured, but he's been back practicing all of last week. And it, it's just like radio silence on the Marvin Mims um, beat report, which could mean nothing, could mean something. Um, I, you know, I still like betting on him. The one thing I'll add with the Broncos like, I think Mims at pick 150, I'm totally in. If he rises, I've heard people talking about, you know, he should rise to the 120 range. I think there I get pretty nervous. Like, back in 2021, you know, thinking about how Sean Payton wants to run this offense, the Saints ran 11 personnel, so three wide receiver sets, at the seventh lowest rate in the entire NFL back then. Um, you know, they have Dulcich as a starting tight end. They traded for Adam Troutman. Uh, they also gave Chris Manhurts, a guy no one talks about in fantasy, but they gave him $3 million guaranteed. He's like, you know, a 30 40% rotational snap player for the Jags last year as a blocker. I think they're going to run like a lot of two tight end sets in Denver. I think Sean Payton wants to run the ball. And like, I'm not sure chasing, you know, the third wide receiver on the Broncos is like this incredible bet. I think it's certainly good where he goes now, but I'm a little wary of like, Man, I, I just don't know about betting on Denver's passing game for the you know auxiliary options in the 10th or 11th round if he rises that high. Um, good so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's my – I think he's my most drafted wide receiver to date. Um, yeah, he is. Uh, he's my third most drafted player. I mean, you overall. look worried as you're saying that. <laughs> no, I mean, I, obviously, you, you know, a lot of this came at, at lower prices, so uh, yeah. I'm happy to take him. You mentioned him moving up that far. I think that's definitely possible, but I've been kind of shocked by how little he's moved so far. That in the last week or so, I thought I would be seeing him, you know, in the in the 140s and stuff. And he, he'll get sniped for me if I try to push him. He goes in the 140s because I'm now taking him in the 140s because I'm sick of getting sniped at like 149 or 150. But I am also sometimes just seeing him when I'm on the clock. I wasn't even planning to take him. Still in that kind of like 160 mid-range, you know, around there and I, I guess i'm just a little bit surprised he hasn't moved up quicker maybe it is that people expect him well, to be seeing the fields in a rotational role because because they do run some 12 i think they will but it's we, probably what sam a, said too the hype just hasn't been out there yet at yeah. least from the media just because he's barely pra he he must just be like getting up to speed basically and it's, it's too it's been a trap in the past where like a rookie gets injured early in camp falls behind there's no hype and then people's like fall asleep on them 
and then they Odell are Beckham. yeah well there's yeah there's been a, a lot of Odell Beckham type situations but it is also I feel like those are still the exceptions where like when a rookie starts hurt like the year even if it's like for only only a week or two of camp like a lot of times they're like way more buried than we would like on the early season depth chart I wonder what the the three wide stuff like I, I kind of agree that they'll probably run a lot of 12, but I also wonder if like what Peyton was doing at the end of his Saints tenure, I mean, they ran out of wide receivers. Like they just didn't have anybody. That's true. I mean, yeah. you know, they like Lance Moore used to be like a pretty dynamic fantasy wide receiver and he was a slot guy. You know, they've had a history of slot receiver production under Peyton. So I, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. I, I do think they'll probably be taking Russ back to some of that Seattle stuff and trying to pound the rock and, like they got to unlock the moon ball. You know, that, that is a team that needs to be hitting explosives deep because Russ isn't going to be like matriculating the ball downfield. Like they, no, that's what the run game's for, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, that makes sense. And just one thing to add on, on Pat's point that like the trap of projecting the rookie um, into volume right away, like not to say that, this is Jalen Tolbert, but this is the same thing with Jalen Tolbert last year. We're like, there's no, like Jalen Tolbert That's has fair. an easy path to playing. Like there's no way he's going to play behind uh, Dennis Houston and Noah Fico. Brown. What are you? Yeah. <laughs> there's no way they're going to sign a T.Y. Hilton in week uh, 16 and play him over Jalen <laughs> Tolbert, right? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. They did. So just not to say I'm out of Nims, but like, I do want to like, I kind of want to see it in the preseason a little bit. I want to like see it in the reporting like a little bit before I, you know, I would be willing to chase him, I think, like higher if like we just get a little bit more backing that like he is actually looking good and we're not just, you know, project, projecting. Our I think he's a strong pick where he's still going. Like I want. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Mingo, yeah. You yeah. know that I'm taking like Van Jefferson's at 140. Michael Gallup's at 137. He was pretty bad last year. Maybe, you know, we're like, hopefully he's better the second year off an ACL tear, even though he has to deal with Brandon Cooks. Like, like I'll take him over him. You know, it's really until. If you get to like Darnell Mooney or Jacoby Myers or Zay Jones or Romeo Dobbs, Alan Lazar, like I could still talk myself into them over all those guys, but at least there you're like, these dudes are running routes. And, yeah. you know, they they probably are giving you a couple spike weeks. But it's it, until he's up there, I think he's a pretty strong pick. I agree. Let's let's move to talking um Zay Flowers, continuing the the rookie wide receiver trend here on the show. Zay Flowers is up five spots um, from pick 88 to pick 83. So he's going late seventh now pretty consistently. I think a lot of teams with Lamar Jackson at the three, four turn are taking flowers there. Um, he's up, I think mostly just because Bateman's been missing and that's led to reports that flowers is kind of firmly um, a starter in two wide receiver sets. I would note the reports aren't saying that like he's ahead of Bateman. The reports are mostly just saying, because Bateman's not here right now, Flowers looks like the starter. I think that's kind of an important. They're also uh, saying he looks awesome. They are saying he looks awesome too. Yeah. So um, he's up because of that. I I I kind of think I made a mistake. I was you know Bateman over Flowers for most of the draft season. I was kind of ignoring um, the Bateman injury. I think a little bit too much. Same. I wish I wish I had more Flowers um, at this point, but. I'm kind of buying where he goes in drafts. Um, Rotopat, what are your what are your thoughts on Flowers? Are you excited about him? Well, my thoughts on Flowers are like very Bateman based, where like they're trying to project positivity on Bateman, but it's still like it's gonna be out there soon. Like you can you can like you can feel it. 
Like it's going to be soon. I I just know it. And that is kind of, I felt like the tenor of the Bateman comments and, you know, just how is he not practicing still? Like it is like kind of shocking. And is it, he had, okay. So he got, he had a issue with his foot where they had to remove one of the screws from this surgery. And then he got a cortisone shot for, for the discomfort, which is, I just mean like how I wasn't debating. Of course he's not practicing after that, but, you know, how is it after how little he played last year and it's August 7th, like he's still like, you know, getting shots and like getting screws removed and that. Well, the, the shot, I don't think he's still getting shots. I think he's the right. When you get, as far as I understand it, like he, there's not like when you get the screw removed, right. That's potentially leading to additional instability or potential for swelling or whatever. So like they're resting him right now. Like, I, you know, rest, rest away. Rest away. Rest away, care. but it's a new – this isn't Greg Roman anymore. It's not – so it's not yeah, a whole new coaching new, staff. It's a new offense. It's a new offensive staff. And anybody who – like, and two, it's a really bad setup for him because it's the new staff and with the new staff with the shiny new toy in Zay Flowers who is hitting the ground running and is, like, creating gifts right. every day in Ravens camp where it's kind of like a perfect storm of, like, negative Rashad Bateman hype, I feel like. And there's not going to be a lot of loyalty – from the Todd Munkin staff to Rashad Bateman. And again, it's August 7th and they're still basically saying that like he's a week away. Kind of like, it's like an Elon Musk, like update to like, yeah. the te- like yeah, next week. I, I'm honestly, the cyber trucks are going to be shipped you know, out. Next they are, week for sure. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're coming. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm honestly fine with it. Like, because it's coming with a discount on Bateman. Um, I know we're talking flowers here, but just on the Bateman side, like he's fallen into the ninth round now. Like, cool. Like I'm in, I'm still in. Um, I, I I also want to be in on flowers though. I I try like I was Bateman over flowers for a while, and then I kind of flipped that because the ADP insisted that I do so, and I was making a point to try to stack flowers and Bateman with Lamar. That's kind of how I talked myself into flowers because I feel honest to God. Like I think if you just take a guy twelve times, like you'll start taking him on his own. Like you just, or maybe it's the number's even lower. It might be like seven. But like once you take a guy a certain amount of times, you're like, it's this twelve is for back because he's doing seven million drafts. Yeah, it might be twelve. For me. It might be three for a normal person. But there is seriously, there's something of like, just click the guy's name. If you think you should do it, just do it. Do it a few times, and then you're like, this this is a good pick now because I've done it. So <laughs> it's, like smoking, it's like smoking one cigarette, you know. One, it is. Yeah. Taste. Yeah, yeah. So like, I got a taste for Zay Flowers, and I drafted. <laughs> Now because I've done it. I've done it. That's seriously no, how your brain works. So it is. That's it like is. a really like fascinating like insight yeah. into like human psychology. Yeah, for sure. I'm it now really pretty is. much even with the field. I can think of players that this is true on. Like I wasn't taking. You guys were talking about it recently on the show, but I wasn't taking a lot of Ridley, and I started taking some Ridley, and now I'm like, yeah, I'll consider Ridley in the third round. I'm okay. With yeah, because he's a good pick. Because you've taken him before. Yeah, I've done. <laughs> I it. I mean, yeah, I've done it. No, I, I'm with that. Uh, sorry, Karain on on liking the Bateman discount. I, when I did my projections for the Ravens, I felt uh, well. First of all, Bateman only 120 routes last year, but took a step forward with the like yards per run, targets oh, per run, real good yards per run. But his ADOP played football. Sorry, Gretch. Right, no fair. He did full time, <laughs> but his ADOP seven also, routes. Yeah, his ADOP also rose substantially from year one. It was 9.6, which is below average in year one. It was 13.2 in year two. Again, only 120 routes. But I, I have this depth-adjusted racer metric that I use for my efficiency stuff and my projections, racer being the, the air conversion ratio. You're taking air yards and turning them into receiving yards instead of, like, yards per target. It's, you know, yards per air yard, basically. 
And Bateman, but I depth adjusted because it's different at different ADOTs. Bateman was efficient at the lower ADOT as a rookie in terms of his after the target efficiency, didn't earn a ton of targets. Targets per out run wasn't great as a rookie, but his yards per target, which wasn't great, was better when you put it in the context of a lower ADOT is what I'm trying to say. Mm. And then it was also good in year two at a higher ADOT. So he was efficient after earning targets at a lower ADOT role and in a higher ADOT role. I like seeing that in receivers over multiple years where this guy can probably win at multiple layers and in multiple depths. We know he was a really good and really productive college player and had a really good you know pro- prospect profile in that regard. I think he's a good football player. And so, yeah, there's concerns right now in camp and in the big picture, he's not healthy and all those things. Uh, or I guess, Sorry, in like the smaller picture. But in the big picture, I think he's good and I want to I still be on him like Pat was saying. But I think on flat from the flower side of it, I was thinking of him as another one of these rookie guys. It's probably no pun intended going to bloom in the, at the, at the end of the, that was the season intended. a little bit more. I kind of, you know, I kind of decided halfway through <laughs> that it was intended. Um, but, but with Bateman being out and flowers getting first team work in August, that's great for him to potentially speed up that timeline in season. Cause I thought, you know, early, early year, you're going to have Odell and, and, and Bateman and Andrews as the main guys. Flowers maybe displaces Odell if he's not doing great or, you know, if, if Bateman's not healthy or whatever happens, Flowers works his way in and he's a guy that's, you know, an October, November riser. But, I mean, Flowers might now be a lot more involved earlier. And, and yeah. just having good camp with the first team helps that in-season progression, right? So I think these are all positive things for Flowers. I took Odell Beckham over Bateman in a draft playing the ADP game. And with, you're sold on yeah, no, seriously, like that's that is where I'm headed. Uh, I took Flowers, I took Odell, and I was like, and I'm gonna get Bateman. And like Bateman went, I'm like immediately after took Odell, and I haven't stopped thinking about it since. I really like the team. And it was like a great he woke team. up with night sweats last night. He was like, God, I'm so mad at myself for not taking Bateman. Like he's such a better pick. The, the other thing I'll, I'll note, like, okay, like, oh no, he's falling down the depth chart or whatever. Maybe. But, like, Flowers is a rookie, so we would expect that his playing time will not be, like, locked in, you know, 95% route rate, even if he is kind of the starter ahead of Bateman to begin the year. You also have Odell coming off this injury. He's an older guy. Like, it's kind of same deal. Like, I think there's going to be plenty of routes for a number three receiver. But they also are talking about spreading out the, the defenses a lot more this year, using more 11, using less 12. Devin Duvernay was on the Athletics Ballers list for – uh for a recent article um, by by Jeff Zerebeck. Um, we we heard some Nelson Aguilar hype early, but that's sort of faded away. I, I mean, I just think like he's – it would be better if he was locked into two wide receiver sets, but that's less important on the Ravens than it used to be, potentially a lot less important. And there's no one is going to challenge this guy for the wide receiver three job at, at the very least. And, he, yeah, he's, he's impressed – so far in his NFL career to an extent when he's out there, obviously the health has been an issue, but he's also a very strong prospect as well. So you're getting a bet on talent play at a pretty cheap price in an offense we think could be pretty explosive. Yeah. Last thing I'll add on, on Bateman, well, actually two points, one on Bateman, one on Odell, the offense, you know, offense last year, once Bateman got injured, completely collapsed in Baltimore. Like he was so key to what they were doing early in the season. Lamar was putting up massive weeks. Um, he looked like a league winner through the first five weeks Bateman gets injured and then the offense completely collapses. I know there were other injuries, like that wasn't the sole reason, but I do think he is huge to what this team wants to do and a really good talent. So I, I have been buying the Bateman dip. I, I'll, I'm going to really be kind of overexposed to him because I had a ton early. 
The next thing on Odell, I am, I'm drafting Odell and I'm kind of tired of people like saying, Oh, he's the worst wide receiver click on the board. Like guys, he's going behind like Tyler Boyd and Jamison Williams, and Michael Thomas, like just ahead of Juju and Nico Collins. Like last time we saw him, he was still really good. I think Baltimore. That's wants true. To throw on, it. Under, on DraftKings, he goes earlier. So, okay. You are under, draft, I'd I, say underdog's yeah. better. I will say some some underdog influencers who I won't name have hammered Odell as like the worst pick on the board. And I don't know, man. Like he was really good last time we saw him. He's very, like two years removed from the injury. If Bateman just isn't ready, like I don't think they paid Odell $15 million to not give him a chance to be the starting wide receiver on this team. Maybe he doesn't have it anymore, but like it's not like he's at priced up in this like, you know, egregious range for wide receiver. He's wide receiver 52 going off the board. Like I, I think it's fully justified at that cost. Um, Pat, so this I'm, is I'm a really good example guy. of your take on the psychology of once you've drafted a guy a bunch, you can talk yourself into him. I mean, he said he's taking a lot of Odell and he just, expl- yeah, now he's into Odell. <laughs> this is exactly the point. <laughs> this is exactly it. I tried Odell once and I just, I got hooked. <laughs> I um, Anyways, let's let's talk quickly uh, some followers. I think the cup discussion can be uh, may- maybe shorter uh, than I was expecting because there has been news now that cup is just day to day with this hamstring. He hasn't really fallen a ton in ADP. He's basically just fallen past uh, Tyreek Hill. Are you taking Kelsey over him is the question? Because I think that the smart yeah. move, right, is to take you take Hill, you take McCaffrey. But then do you take Kelsey? And for me, it, it's a no. I'm still taking I just it. took Cup over Hill and McCaffrey in a Mastiff yesterday. And right. I'm still right. See, completely yeah, I, in on Cup. I wouldn't do that personally, but I don't think it's like egregious. Um, and I'm not taking Kelsey over him. So um, I wouldn't take him in everything. Like in, in all my best ball BBMs that I got uh, threes and fours, I took Hill and McCaffrey and spread it out. But when I had to make a decision in a Mastiff, I took Cup. I'm just, That's I'm fair. just saying. The upside, I mean, I get it for the upside for sure. The only thing I'll say with Cup is, so we had the day-to-day blurb, um, which I wrote, and um, he called him day-to-day. Then he basically still said he was week-to-week. Like he said he was day-to-day, but then like I think the one of the tenors of comments. Did he you say day-to-days? We hope he's back next week or something. I was like, well, you're still talking in terms of weeks (laughs) and not days, but. It's not a major injury. Like clearly he's going to be ready for week one and clearly it doesn't matter. He's already got, he doesn't need to establish chemistry with anyone or anything like that. But I, I just do wonder, I mean, it's not his first injury. He's, he's he had several major injuries. He's going to be 30 this season. I thought of a really horrible galaxy brain take, by the way, this one I do not believe in, but I was like, you know, we all talk about like the running back usage, you know, how, when you have like those historic usage seasons, how you fall? You oh, start no. immediately falling out. Michael Thomas barely ever played since uh, the target his cliff. Season. Yeah, the target, the target cliff. cliff. The target cliff. Cooper Cup barely played since the. Right, well, now we got to rename the episode the target <laughs> exactly. cliff. So, yeah, look at no, Antonio he played, Brown now. He, yeah, he played nine games last year and had like was leading the NFL in targets. He was right on his. His efficiency was targets. cratering, and then he got yeah. hurt. Is what I'm saying. Is what I'm saying. No, he got yeah, hurt. Pat's, it was Pat's saying that's bad. Then. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. <laughs> He was still good in efficiency. It's just not as otherworldly. He was pacing for 140. He was pacing for 140 plus catches last year. He's played 30 games with Matthew Stafford, and his his 30 game pace is over 150 catches on a 17 game basis with Matthew Stafford, including the playoffs and everything else. To be clear, I don't believe this take. 
I, I was like, man, yeah, Michael Tom and Cooper Cup not really liking playing football Michael after Tom. those stories. <laughs> <laughs> Too many catches. Too many catches. The cliff, it's it's here. Sorry. No, you're good. But I just on that note, I just wrote about this for Steel, uh, Stealing Signals the other day. He he it, in his 30 games with Stafford has pace for over 150 catches on a 17 game basis. Justin Jefferson led the league last year with 128. Tyreek Hill was second with 119. And this cup was on that pace last year as well. Like if I'm concerned about the injury, when I'm saying I took him in that Mastiff, I'm not not concerned about the injury. I'm very much concerned about the injury. But I do think if Cooper Cup is healthy, his range of outcomes is higher than – I think it's in the tier with Jefferson and Chase. I do too. Gretch, yeah, sorry, yeah, Pat. I I, uh, I just, I'm, not, it's not like, I'm, I'm not concerned about him being out there week one, but I'm just concerned about the injury and that it's becoming the latest in a, a line sure. of injuries. Maybe not a long line of injuries, but he's a guy who's 30. You know, he's, he's got injuries on his resume. Yeah, for sure. It's well, also like when you're stuff. comparing him to like – uh, Christian McCaffrey and Tyreek Hill, like I think those guys stealing cases are also insane. So that's just where I'm like, I kind of want to follow the market here. And if the market is yeah. dropping him, I-, I want pretty equal exposure to those guys. I do see the argument for Cup, like maybe having a higher ultimate ceiling than those two. But man, Christian McCaffrey can, you know, go for a thousand, a thousand again this year. Like that, that's in the range out comes. Tyreek Hill could definitely lose the targets. Um, I don't think it is for McCaffrey this year. I'll say that pretty definitively because the way that they use Mitchell and the, the other options they have in the passing game, I don't think a thousand and thousand is anywhere near his range. You want to talk about? A guy I think he's going to have a great year. Gretch, just say you want to talk about a guy who doesn't play football, Eli Mitchell. Christian McCaffrey. Well, that's <laughs> Oh, Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, sorry. It's funny you mention that because the Forty ers just on the Athletic, they just put out an article that was like, "Can McCaffrey get to a thousand, a thousand?" But I tend to I, I tend to agree that like I'm a little bit less I'm a little bit more nervous about McCaffrey's like workload because they're gonna be a good team and they're just not gonna like they have so much more to play for than I think Pat was it you that were saying like Mike Evans was um just gonna be like the whole point of the Buccaneer season is to get Mike Evans to a thousand yards. Like, come I think we were all water. saying that, but yeah, man, yeah. that's literally like, the entire point of the. That season. is not the way the 49ers are gonna be playing this season. Like they they're gonna be resting McCaffrey if anything. Before this hamstring thing, I was taking Cup heavily, like essentially every time out of the 103 or the 104, I was taking Cup, and then he was often there. Well, not often, but sometimes there at the 105. I was intentionally, without sacrificing Justin Jefferson or uh, Jamar Chase shares, trying to get overweight on Cup. This was also during the Tyreek hit a guy on a boat period, so I figured especially confident about in that. But now, right, so my take is in the context of that, that being my portfolio – now I'm happy to take Cup whenever he's at five, but I'm kind of reversing it with the now that the market's flipped. I'm like, sure, and now I'll at three, I'll take Hill or, and then I take McCaffrey four usually, and then Cup at five. Yeah, I mean, all I'll say on McCaffrey is he had 1,900 yards from scrimmage last year. Cup's best season ever, he had like 1,940. So, and that was also a season he got traded in the middle of the season, and like the first game with the 49ers, like barely played at all, and still got to like 1,900 total yards. So. I don't also, know. I, like CMC not playing. As Gretchen and I were joking about he played last year. He came very close, like several times. Like he he, he was like on the highway when the tire was still going, but it was like about <laughs> to come off. Like if the game didn't end soon, yeah. he yeah. played hurt. I, the the year. He, he did. Reached, I am taking some CMC. Too. Too. <laughs> the yeah. target. He yeah, he's reached the target. Yeah, yeah, he's got the it's target. A, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a thing. It's officially a thing. It's a thing. Okay, let's. <laughs> 
Let's move on to Dobbins. This this one's it's kind of weird. So let's break it down. He's down uh, seven spots in ADP, uh, the third biggest faller on this list. He's maybe injured. He's maybe holding in. But at the same he's time, there's all these quotes that he's 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 hugging the owner whenever he sees him on the field. He's hugging the general manager. There's all these quotes about him like he's talking hugging to everybody. Yeah. So it's like a very pleasant hold in. Um, I I don't think he's actually injured. I, I did pull up this uh twitter screenshot you can check out uh aaron wilson underscore nfl i think he's is he doing a one-arm push-up right there look at him he looks yes there's also a clip um i would pull it up on video but there's a clip of him like uh dragging this like weighted sled and then like sprinting with it attached (laughs) to him like he he does not look like injured in these workout clips from july of his life i mean um, (laughs) yeah work that warrior i got him in the seventh round of a mastiff the other day I, like and i i did think about it because i'm like this is a tournament that you know is is it like it's like a 50 50 the way they structured it so you don't you don't want to take on a ton of risk but i'm like it's the seventh round <laughs> like, this, <laughs> like this dude could be awesome i i don't know i i think and you can regularly get him in the seventh round on DraftKings. so and you can like we, we uh we did a draft uh best ball mania draft we almost got him in the seventh round of that draft when, when I was on the Rotor World football show. So, I mean, I am I was a little bit underweight because in the fifth round, uh, the five six turn, I, I kind of want to be grabbing receivers there a decent amount. I have been aggressively drafting Dobbins recently to try to get overweight during this period. I think it's going to be. I honestly think it's going to be one of the big reasons to have drafted in this like late July, early August period. The Dobbins who does not really appear to be injured, and it's clearly contract related clearly and the ravens are like being totally like this is the most congenial holden i've ever seen like everyone's going (laughs) like dinner parties and hanging out i wonder if the ravens like don't even care that he's not like maybe they don't even want a guy with his injury history to be practicing right now you know like that kind of thing and it seems like everyone involved like the back slapping like they know like some incentives are just going to be added to his deal or something and for some reason they can't sign on the dotted line yet but it doesn't seem like a lot to be genuinely concerned about. It could. Well, also I mean, I do think in, what yeah. what you just sort of hit on is probably part of it. I do think some of these teams are like, look, we don't need running backs to practice in at August seventh. Like it, it, later in Adrian Peterson's career, he would not play. He was like one of the first backs that would not play in the preseason, and they would give him a really lo- light load, and then say, "Hey, week one, you show up and be ready. You're Adrian Peterson. You can get your body ready. We're not going to give you any more hits. Your whole job is to." to try to hold up to a massive amount of hits over the course of the regular season. We're not going to give you any more in camp. We don't want to. And Dobbins with the injury history, like it seems like that's what they're saying. Like Ravens are very in on analytics and everything organizationally. I, I would expect someone smart in their building is like, let's not have JK Dobbins do a lot in August. Like, why would we? <laughs> yeah. The, he also tore his ACL the... in, sorry, sorry, Pat. He did tear his ACL in the preseason when he got injured in 2021. Right. So I think that's, that's right. part of it. Maybe for him too. He's like, Hey, if I'm not getting a contract, like I'm just not going to play in the preseason. Maybe the team's just like, that's reasonable. Like you do you, man. Dumb. Yeah, yeah. They, they're, Harbaugh's a little annoyed, and some of his quotes are like, "Yeah, I mean, it's like definitely be better if he was out there." But like, I, I don't know. I mean, the uh, the consigliere is calling it a hug in. That was pretty good. The hug in. That's beautiful. Players are always innovating. Yeah, I will say it is like. 
I do get the thing about him, like not playing. It doesn't matter if running backs aren't playing. Like maybe it's not as important as wide receivers getting reps in with Lamar, but it is a completely new offense that in in theory is going to use running backs way differently than it has in the past in Baltimore. Um, I don't know how much weight to put on that, but like if he's not, if, if this is like one of those hold in hold ins where he's like not out there until I don't know, August 31st or, or whatever, like that would concern me like a little bit, a little, but yeah. at, yeah, at his price, like there is added risk for sure. Yeah, the market is paying you to not worry about it though, like a lot. They're paying you like two rounds. <clears throat> like, this dude was going in the mid fifth on DraftKings, and now he's in the mid seventh. Like that's and he's clearly the most talented running back. That's something else. I mean, like he's a lot younger than Gus Edwards. One of the things that that Pat and I talked about on the ship chasing recently, but I'm way more concerned about Gus Edwards coming back and getting back to form. Dobbins is 24. Edwards is 28. Like. Dobbins is their most, and, and Dobbins was a lot better the last couple of years. 6.0, 5.7 yards per carry. Edwards was 5.0 last year in his you know small sample, which is good, but th- those are different scales, right? And Lamar obviously influences those things. Dobbins has 6.0 yards per carry potential. Like he's their most talented back. He's really, really good at football. For sure. I will say, strategy tip, if you want to draft any of these uh, players that are injured, uh, go to DraftKings because they put that little red out symbol next to their names, and that causes the market to be like crazy reactive to these injuries. Like Garrett Wilson, I think, is listed as like questionable on DraftKings now because he has a you know mild low ankle sprain, and now he drops to like that in the second round. So the, the DraftKings like reaction to this, the, the red injured symbol is uh, a pretty good way to, <laughs> it's a thing to of make beauty, a profit. Man. Yeah, it's, a thing it's of great. Um, let's move on here to Elijah Mitchell. Um, we could, you know, we'll have some more time. We can maybe hit on some of these other followers as well, but he is kind of an interesting one. Um, there's a couple things going on with him. He's down just a couple spots, but one, uh, he has this abdominal strain or a adductor strain that should keep him out for a week. And then second, uh, Pat, I was listening to the Roto World show where Rob Guerrera, I believe he's a beat writer for the 49ers. He talked about how Elijah Mitchell's roster spot is maybe not as secure as people think. And that was even before oh. the injury, I think. I think it was before the abdominal strain. So, yeah, curious, like, what – I was shocked when I was listening to the podcast and heard that. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't think he, I, I don't think that is the case. But I do think it could be the case where he was saying something else, basically, that he's the kind of guy that might be dead like Kyle Shanahan, basically. So maybe like maybe off the roster and another, like by another name, basically, but like, we cannot count on this guy anymore. Like we got Jordan Mason, we got TDP. I'm sure we got some other Shane guys. He's a little emotional to me, doesn't he? He's very, he's very emotional. He's very, very, very emotional. Like not a joke. Like he trades up for people. Like he, he'll make like dramatic trade ups. And then like, be off of them like three months later. It's, it happens like almost every year. Like he'll trade up for a receiver and then be off of them for like over a year. Um, he isn't a Did very, very Ayuk, emotional he coach. He was out on Ayuk. Ayuk had to like – I know. It was insane. Blocker. Ayuk and like before there was Ayuk, there was Dante Pettis. We traded like way the hell up for and then was out on him like totally immediately. I guess the league has shown that that decision was Trey correct. Sermon, TDP, like yeah, exactly. those are, I mean, a lot of capital on those backs and not using so them. Yeah. Maybe what Rob was kind of getting at there is just that the vibe is that Shani is not into Elijah. Because I can't see any way he doesn't make so, the team. But. Well, is Jordan Mason the, the next man up? Like Jordan Mason's there a good pick. hype on Jordan Mason. Yeah, they, they were hyping Jordan TDP Mason. Um I think on that pod he, he mentioned Jordan was, Mason, but yeah. I've also read stuff in the athletic about Jordan Mason 
looking really good. Um, I also read today about Tyrion Davis Price apparently <clears throat> played last season at 215 and shed a bunch of fat, but now weighs 228. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. I was like, did they make a typo? Was it supposed no, to be the other one? They're they're in they're implying that he put on like Potentially 30 pounds, pounds of weight. Of <laughs> 30 pounds of muscle. Yeah, it's like, like, he cut, like say he's cut seven pounds of fat to get down to 208, but now he weighs 228. This is literally that those gifts where there's like all the math equations in the background. We're all trying to figure out how much muscle he just put on. Like what? But one the one dude, I forget who it was. So I think it was a skill position coach for the 49ers was like, it's honestly like incredible how much better he's gotten. So not that he's that bit like it's unlikely he's gonna make an impact this year, but you don't want to hear that if you've drafted a bunch of Elijah Mitchell, which I have. I, I've cooled off on Elijah Mitchell quite a bit because with all these guys, where it's like, hey, at least I know he's the locked in number two. As soon as I hear like multiple guys who might challenge him as the locked in number two, then I, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, yeah, and he's already player. hurt. It's just like, how is this guy hurt again? Yeah, he's already I, hurt. It's too. hard to play football. I mean, I'm not trying to like. Honestly, but like how on planet earth is elijah mitchell hurting it like it makes absolutely no sense that was, that was amazing yeah. for some yeah, reason I, that maybe you remember when you ran the the 40 at the combine which was the, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to play football yeah, i didn't get hurt i didn't get hurt i'll tell you that i was wearing dress shoes too uh, so and you leaked at the end you, you took a little i did i wrecked the tackling dummies i will say um, that was yeah that was impressive that was great. So how far are you guys dropping Mitchell? Because I think for me, what feels right is he goes now ahead of Tank Bigsby, Jalen Warren, and Tyler Algier. I think I would drop him below Algier, but still ahead of Kendra, ahead of Roshan. Those guys have tons of concerns that, about their spot on the roster as well. That's probably what I'd do. That's exactly where I have. I just pulled up the rankings on Legendary Upside. I dropped him behind Bigsby and Algier, um, but he's ahead of that next group. But honestly, I... I think I would take Jerome Ford ahead of him. Like I think I'm Jerome Ford should be going way higher. I think yeah. I think that's a situation where there's no buzz or bringing in a veteran running back. They sat him for the uh, Hall of Fame game and played Felton and whatever the other guy is a bunch of snaps. Like I think Ford is like so clearly the number two, and the market hasn't reacted quick enough uh, on that move, one. I don't think maybe I'll move Ford up instead of. I still can't believe they haven't signed anybody. But like you said, it seems like they genuinely like Jerry Ford and aren't going to do that, and that he is locked in. Yeah, they it's, seem pretty into him. It's How about a drumbeat. That was a weird drumbeat too. That drumbeat yeah. started in like February. Like, oh, okay, wow. Start, that was yeah, like a Matthew. Bad. Wasn't that like a Matthew Barry? Like he snuck a little line yes. into some yeah. like article. Yeah, and yeah then you're right. That's you're just, right. It was a combine study. rumor. But then yeah. when you go look at his last year, because he played on special teams, he was actually active for 13 games last year and was basically not used on offense. So he's one of those guys that you don't really have a good reason for why they didn't mix him in because he was active. And, but I guess and it just like, wasn't good. So that has been a right. red flag for me with Jerome Ford, where if a coaching staff really loves a player, they force themselves onto the field like somehow. And he just didn't. Right, yeah. yeah. Although we did I see was so Damian Harris, right? Like they, they completely redshirted him, and then we got buzzed that he was going to be – involved as a, as a second year player and then he was yeah, you know, yeah so. i mean if they think of it like the cream hunt is like a very specific role right then i guess it makes some sense but yeah 13 games last year he got eight offensive touches and, thir- and he was active for 13 games that's weird right that is, yeah. that is weird. very weird i was so <laughs> skeptical of him for a while gretch because of that i'm just like what is this jerome ford thing like they're gonna sign 
Fournette. They're going to sign Kenyon Drake. They're going to sign somebody, right? Like, I don't, I'm not buying this guy that gave yeah. eight carries to last year for 12 yards as some, like, locked-in RB2. But now I think I just have to believe it, right? Like, I guess it's still yeah. possible they could bring in Fournette. Sure, it's theoretically possible. But there's been absolutely zero buzz. I, I think they feel pretty confident. The whole game thing, yeah. to your point, was sort of the last draw. I'm with you guys. I think I think you got to move him up at this point. They didn't even use him in the Hall of Fame game. Like, they are locking him into a role, for sure. Yeah. Let's talk um, a couple other interesting followers here. I think the the Patriots situation is interesting to talk about as well. Um, Tyquan Thornton is down pretty steeply here, um, down about a round and a half uh, on news that his, I think for a while people were projecting him to sort of be a starter for the Patriots, you know, before Parker got the extension, before they brought in Juju. Now the buzz coming out of Patriots camp is that he's competing with Kendrick Bourne and uh, Demario Douglas for a role in 11 personnel. And he has like, you know, no chance at being sort of a full-time starter on the team. So uh, I'm just curious. I know like some people were high on Thornton as a potential year two breakout. Is anyone still like, are there reasons to draft him? Cause he's, he's to be honest, completely off my board. Like I'm not even considering him now, but does anyone want to make a case for, uh, I, I took him a decent amount earlier. I, I'm completely not taking him now on these concerns, in part because I have more exposure than I'd like to have at this point. But I took him a decent amount earlier because I thought the offense could could turn around. I liked the late back stack potential. I took too much Mac Jones early as well. And he felt like the clearest upside path in the wide receiver room. I think we know Devontae Parker's not a huge upside guy. He's going to be like a, a decent – and in, in basketball, those players can help you, like a decent – uh, producer, you know, hopefully you get some spike weeks out of him, going to run some routes. He was pretty solid last year when you look at his, you know, peripherals and everything, but not going to be like a, a huge breakout. The idea for me earlier in the offseason was that Thornton could be the one guy in this passing game that had the potential to sort of consolidate second round pick, rookie pick last year, or I mean, uh, draft pick last year, like NFL pick and, uh, and has the speed and, and a decent per- production profile in college that. You know, he could be a guy that actually was a breakout for them if their passing game took a step forward with Bill O'Brien and he was like the key part of that step forward. But it's, yeah, it's not sounding great in August. It does concern me. Pat, I'd be curious yeah. to get your thoughts because, like, the, the thing with training camp is that a lot of it is positive. You know, you hear positive stuff or you don't hear that much stuff or you hear about injuries, but you don't tend to hear, like, this guy ain't it. Like, that, no, that's not no. really what training and camp that's is. That's what for. you're hearing. Yeah. But yeah, the, today in the athletic, the headline. So it's like a bullet point thing here, um, and bullet point number six. So this is by Chad Graff of the Athletic. Bullet point number six is it doesn't look like Tyquan Thornton is breaking out, and then goes on to talk about how he struggled. It's been a slow start uh, of the team's top six receivers. He was the only one who hadn't caught a pass in eleven on eleven drills through the first six practices. Then he seemed to suffer an injury that kept him off the field since then. Like ah. This seems very bad. I, I'm not, and then and, you know, again, we're used to hearing, we're used to parsing hype, not like this dude's done. No, I know, and you say the fact that it's going back to the spring is this weird, like, and just it even that applies to not just rookies, but like any young player. Like they miss a lot of the off season, even if it's for like very legitimate reasons. That seems to no matter what, like sour the coaching staff somehow. Uh, there was um, someone had resurfaced a tweet like a day or two ago where like the receiver coach was basically like, no, no, Taquan Thornton's still good. But all he did was like talk about him being fast. Like, didn't <laughs> talk about him. Like, he didn't like say anything really like, like convincing. He's, still fast. Like, he's, he's very fast. 
very, very fast. And yeah. Was basically- which, which, like, super late in the best ball draft? Like, okay, well, maybe they use him on an end around in the red zone or something. Like, maybe he scores a touchdown at some point. That's, it seems like the Pats, know. yeah, sent someone out there to like, we got to, like, try to change the Taekwon narrative. Tyquan Thornton narrative a little bit, and he's just like he's very fast. He's still fast, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's still fast. I think with Thornton too, like you want to be, you want to like revisit what the bet was. You know, like so Thornton was a bet on second round draft capital, routes, and speed, and so like he still technically was a second round pick, but the team's not treating him like that anymore. He's, the speed is the only part of this thesis. He's fast. He's still yeah. fast. <laughs> he's still fast. Yeah, very, very That's very what fast. he has. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't efficient at all as a rookie. The team now seems pretty like reluctant to really give him much of a role. The routes look, I mean, we, you cannot say that he has routes like routes are now a full blown question mark. So it's just, it's just down to speed. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> another tweet from Doug Kide. Um, or this was from yesterday. Tyquan Thornton's lack of physicality was evident at times. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing you do have going for you with the Tyquan bet is that Belichick does have a really good track record of hitting on sort of side yeah. wide receivers. So, so that, you still have that to go back on. Um, but. That lack of physicality thing wasn't that a Nikhil Harry thing? Like, so sometimes you wonder these beats get some of their like buzzwords or their notes on players from the coaches. Like the coaches telling him you know, on the sideline, like, yeah, we're, we're worried about Thornton's physicality. And then we end up seeing that in a tweet where he's like, Hey, his lack of physicality was evident. That was, I feel like one of the things we heard about Nikhil Harry early on was that he was not physical enough. It might be the Patriots kind of way of, you know, we were out on this dude. <laughs> like, even more so than like, he's not, he's not doing what we need him to do physically. Yeah. That's yeah. obviously bad. The, to me, the biggest red flag was like, I think this was maybe last Thursday or something. It was reported that Juju appeared to be ahead of him in two wide receiver sets. That means Juju, as an outside wide receiver, is more trusted than you, which is a huge red flag. <laughs> We're talking huge. Yes. We're going. I mean, huge. they're they're hyping it's up huge, everyone. Not huge. Like, Kendrick Bourne, who the team hated and the beat was like so down on last year, they're hyping up Kendrick Bourne. They're hyping up this six round rookie that no one's heard of, and like, there's one guy that's not getting positive reviews, and everyone else is getting positive reviews. So. Yeah. It's, yeah, well, Mike is getting very negative reviews as well. Yeah. See, Crane well. hit yeah. on a yeah, really interesting point too. Like, like it's it's not always noteworthy when someone gets praised because you're kind of expecting that 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 this time of year. It is very noteworthy when yeah they just can't think of anything nice to say, and so they, they and then they still don't say anything say, at all. Instead of not saying anything at all, they say something not. Nice. They say the bad things. Yeah. yeah. So you guys are saying all of my Mac Jones backstacks have to be Hunter Henry now because I was Hunter saying Henry backstacks are dude, you gotta wide. you gotta open your third eye to Devonte Parker. I, I hate <laughs> oh, my eyes open. I mean, he's gonna run the route. Parker's he's running all the routes. And hey, hey, look at his box scores last year. You're gonna see two massive games. My computer turns week. itself off when I Google Devonte Parker ESPN game log. <laughs> <laughs> There's another guy that doesn't play a lot of football. Like, he stayed healthy last year, but, I mean, good luck. He's going to make it through. Actually, he didn't. He played 13 games last year. He's played 16 games once in his career. Good luck. Hey, thir- 13 Sounds like Cooper games. Cup. Yeah. Sounds like Cooper Cup. Am I right? <laughs> the thing about Devontae Parker is he will never hit the target cliff. It's actually impossible for it's him. True. That's true. <laughs> or maybe yeah. he did that one season of Miami where he had 1,200 Patrick yards. ruined him. Fitzpatrick ruined him. He hit the target cliff. He hit the target cliff. Uh, to be clear, I do not believe in the target cliff. <laughs> I, I love the target cliff. I have to emphasize this. 
Kadarius Tony, another guy on this list who will probably never hit the target cliff. Uh, he doesn't hit enough routes. Now, Pat, yeah. did he hit the target cliff in a single game? Is there a single game target cliff? Yeah, no. Yeah, he did. You're right. The 15 target game or whatever that he had early for the Giants two years ago. That was the target Ooh. cliff for Tony. Interesting. Can, <laughs> it's usually in a season, but it can happen in a game. Wow. Um, just too much pressure on his lower body, and he's never been the same after that. Uh, I think it was, I think it wasn't a genuinely like a 17 target game or something. I'm pulling it up. He had a 13 target game and then a 12 target game later in the same year. Wow, I mean, I mean crazy. that's that's a career ender. <laughs> yeah, <that's a> career <laughs> I mean, it honestly might have been a career ender. It might just, have been with Tony, like the way he's able to like move his body in ways that no other human does. Like maybe don't. Maybe I know. I think <laughs> maybe yeah. you move it in a normal way. But kidding aside, that I really do think that has to be it. He's placing like force <laughs> on his joints that just like is not natural. Yeah, just. Just run it's normal. actually kind of like when you, watch him move, when you watch him move, it's almost impressive that he doesn't get hurt more. Like, I think if I tried to do any of the moves that Tony did, like my bones would literally be like popping out of my skin. Well, like, his like, are too. Yeah. 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 Well, the, there's that. I think they always show is him scoring that TD on the sideline where he hopped into the end zone and it actually wasn't hurt, but like it, that was bad like, karma. Yeah. Like, dude, don't do that. Karma. Like, you don't do that. Everyone watching that was like, oh, he's hurt again. And then he wasn't hurt. It's like, okay, well, you're hurt two seconds later. So, I mean, <laughs> he's literally tempting fate. Like, oh, no, am I hurt again? Remember when Justin Jefferson did that? Like, yeah, you bad. just tore your knee, dude. So, my question on Tony is why is he still going at 95? And how has he not fallen to like 120? Like, he's I'm, not. I'm taking him at, I'm one of the guys, I'm taking him. You're, at 90, you're, you're taking him at 95? I'm willing to take him at 95. It's, it's uh, correlated. I'm taking him correlated, but. All right, you guys, you guys hate. Who were they playing in Week Seventeen? I'm sure I'm the only one. The Bengals, the Bengals, my friend. Oh my god, that's that's part of the reason why. Because you got Burrow. So, so here's the thing: Burrow and uh, and Mahomes are on that side of the board. So that's like in the the spot where you're looking to be taking Tony anyway. And then, right, I have that right, don't I? I'm not reaching for Tony. Tell me, I'm not reaching for Tony. Um, Ninety-five is late eight. Late eight. Okay, yeah. So the eight-nine turn. Yeah. So that's he's he's set up for the correlation pick and then you just think about like you know late season upside spike weeks hitting your lineup at that eight nine price you know that's probably like your wide receiver five like that's actually kind of what you're looking for you know so he he fits your builds i think so much more logically than he did when he was at that six seven turn that was like a core piece like a guy you need contributing more regularly again this goes to like how i tend to build teams where i'm often four wide receivers deep before i take tony but i just think he can like i can kind of carry tony through a, a few weeks of him not playing at all and then there's going to be some inconsistency there to not he'll be there to not play later as well which will be helpful. <laughs> yeah that's true he'll also i'll carry him through those first few weeks when he doesn't play until the later he's gonna be on the houston texans then by the way <laughs> but but look i mean if you want to talk about pick 120 right i mean jameson williams uh goes at pick 102 and has gotten very poor reviews in training camp. Uh, Dan Campbell coming out and saying, like, I just don't think his hands are, like, that good. He's just got bad hands. So, oh, well. Like, that seems, that seems bad. <laughs> That's not good. No, That's not he good. Should be he's, he's suspended for six games. Has never – I mean, he has one career reception. He has one career reception. And we're still taking him at 102. I, I do think, like – Relative to Jameson Williams, Tony makes a lot of sense, and especially because you're you're able to correlate him with 
either Burrow or. But those aren't your only two options. You could take a running. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I agree. If you, I agree. That's if you compare true. every pick with Jamison Williams, it's a good argument to make that pick. But <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but he, he's sort of right. It's a similar play. It's a similar play where you're now. Yeah, maybe he's just massively overpriced. Yeah. I'm talking about someone to Tony. But... Here's here's the <laughs> other pick in this range that I can argue is the other worst pick in this range, and he's better than that. <laughs> but I'm just like, all right. <laughs> it's like a pure upside play, and I know I'm missing games. I'm getting, I'm missing fewer than six games, probably, and I probably. think he has more upside. So I'm just like, so yeah. But you're right, Jameson Williams probably is a terrible pick, and I shouldn't take Tony either. That's my thought on Tony. Is I, out. I feel like he's outside the wide receiver window, and I want to be pivoting to receivers if I'm, or I mean, running backs if I'm thinking Tony. Like I, I I'm now. Like I, I see, there's upside pass for him, but I've now gotten to the point where I'm like, I don't want to be trusting him anywhere near this ADP. Basically, were you taking any at all? Because that's part of it for me too. Is I had a, a massive hard. Ooh, I had not had that first drag of a Kadarius Tony cigarette yet. I have not. I think I've <laughs> taken him a couple times, but no, not a lot. So, Correlated so, a couple times. Yeah, I'd taken him. I think one. I think my one. I had like two shares, but one was in a mastiff. And I was like, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> that was a big hit of Kadarius Tony. Yeah, because I got. I was getting nervous. Like, hey, what do those stuff. mastiffs cost again? Uh, they cost thousand dollars. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's not. I don't feel good about it. The, uh, but he was making me nervous. Like, I had this incredibly hard stance against Kadarius Tony, but the upside. You know, if he stayed healthy, this was before he got hurt, but if he stayed healthy and they were talking him up as the number one wide receiver, like, I know he can earn targets at a very high rate in any given game. Like, I, he was someone I was like, this dude could bury me. So now that I can get him still correlated at the 8-9 turn, I'm just trying to mix him in because I, I do think there there are late season scenarios where it's like, don't, you kind of needed Tony. I think that's that's definitely fair. And when you're drafting 7,000 teams like Pat Corain, you should probably find ways to mix him in. But for everyone else. <laughs> yeah. I also think that, like, it, so if we're saying the way Justin Ross makes the team is Tony gets stashed in IR, I think we're going to get right. that new cycle, and he's going to drop Good point. two more rounds, Pat. So that's, that's what I'm – like, DraftKings, he's dropped way more than he has an underdog. I, I will say DraftKings – Underdog is way less reactive to DraftKings, but I think sometimes, like in a in a bad way, like Tony has I dropped agree. like so slowly from where he was. Where I'm like, guys, I don't I don't get it. Like, it, it should be a big drop, like pretty quickly, which DraftKings reflected. Underdog has not reflected that, so I'm I'm just waiting more. Like I took him at like 115 uh, one time on Underdog where he fell a ton. I'm kind of waiting. I'm waiting. I, for that get off the ADP. Me. Like I know ADP. Like oh, we gotta take ADP value and stuff. Like, but this is not the time just to like blindly scoop ADP value. You do want to be like I was making fun of, you know, some of the falls was like Pacheco goes on pup and everyone like freaked out. So like we don't want to just like ch chase our tail on this stuff, but when material things happen, we do want to be willing to like fade a dude like to skip out on that sweet sweet ADP value cuz things no, are changing. You hound till you die. That's the only yeah. way to go. Crane, what's the timer on the Mastiff? Is it still only 30 seconds? Uh I so I haven't been able to get any fast Mastiffs in. There I did I did mine slow. All right, good. I feel like you should. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I we will. We will do a fast mastiff. Um, we are on the show as oh we're wrapping up Lord, here. Um, a fast coming up. I think. Uh, yeah, a fast if maybe next, maybe next week, a maybe in three weeks. Um, <laughs> we'll figure it out. But 
Anyways, um, that was that was good. You know, thirty minutes on the Chiefs wide receivers, thirty minutes on the Giants wide receivers, and thirty. Minutes I made Sam Patoni back on the agenda, Pat, for you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. Actually, I, tr- I actually tried I to remove him. Never from once the chart. been like, on a podcast yeah. where we did not discuss Canary's Tony for a minimum of fifteen minutes, and he even, you know, of course, we all knew that uh, the the Justin. Uh, Ross was just a that was like a back door to get Tony talk in there, and then we still had we still had Tony on the agenda anyway. So uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta double dip with Tony in every show. <laughs> um, it, it hurts to be the Tony truther. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna have to be. Out that was here, interesting, but... Pat. Uh, doesn't yeah. seem like the Pat I've come to know. Well, I think I think <laughs> Sam's right about the his fall. I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm gonna just, yeah, just 10 just 11 turn. In... I'm gonna be in a 10 11 turn though, guys. Yeah, stop holding him up. After I, after I myself have done this five to six times, I noticed it became very sensible and I'm going to keep <laughs> doing it. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Um, Pat, what do we have going on on uh, Rotor World? Uh, what's, what's in the works? Well, you know, trying to do some blurbs, uh, that kind of things of that nature. Preseason is finally beginning this week. So that'll be interesting. We'll try not to react, overreact to uh, that's the thing about the preseason. It's like knowing what even more than training camp has become hard to know what to actually react to since like all 32 teams now basically approach the preseason differently. Some teams will genuinely play their starters way fewer than they used to. And just trying to parse the preseason. We're going to have some, a lot of preseason week one follow-up content next week. I'm trying to do like kind of a canned article, like, like not a very creative concept, but, I am working on ranking the fantasy offenses. And so I'm hoping that's up by the end of the week. So yeah, just keep it locked to the site. Keep it locked to a uh, roto pat on X. <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what we've never heard anyone do that. It's <laughs> <laughs> the first X <laughs> promotional we, thing I've ever that's heard. That's what we got going right now. I'm really hoping they fight, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I no, reposted I Elon... it on X this morning. <laughs> I know. Gosh, gosh. I hope Elon avoids the, the pup list before that. I know. I, I think Elon's uh, not hoping to avoid the pup list. I think he's actually demanding they find a reason to get him on the pup list. So, Elon yeah. not in the best shape of his life. <laughs> no. Uh, and, uh, the reports, the beat is not really high. And on, just in case people don't know what we're talking about, it's two of the richest people in the world uh, trying to arrange a cage match. Uh, <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. And one of them is... Undergoing an MRI. I wish any of this were fake, but it's all true. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Great way to end the show. As reported by the Wall Street Journal. Um, anyways, uh, this is not a simulation. This is why we are stacking Jalen Hyatt with Matthew Stafford in real life. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a simulation. This does feel pretty simulation y. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, what do we got going on at Legendary Upside? I teased an article that I had out last week. It was a fun, fun little short article. Um, and hey, if you sign up uh, at legendaryupside.com, you can also hear that narrated as a podcast. Um, if you sign up, it's ten dollars a month, ninety nine for the year, but a yearly sub will get you a fifty dollar underdog credit if you fill out a form that you find on the homepage of legendaryupside.com. Yeah, that can get you a full tenth of a mastiff right there. So that's a pretty, pretty that's, good deal. Or two BBMs, um, you know. They are two BBMs. Two fours. Two fours. Yeah, two fours. fours. Gretch, uh, what what do we got going on stealing signals? 
I'm about to finish <clears throat> the off-season stealing signals post, which was team by team, deep dives, uh, listen out the signals and the noise and the key stats and breakdowns for each. Um, rankings, um, you know, tiered uh, targets and fades, a lot, lot of stuff coming. I don't know. I had a whole list over there. So, it, yeah, awesome. curious to go. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Uh, well, we'll be back next week um i think you know three or four more adp chasings left to close out the season uh we'll have leone on at some point we'll be doing a massive draft uh, and we'll be finally going over our adp value game at some point uh to close out the year which i've definitely been diligently tracking and definitely have those all written down somewhere so do we take that to the to the wire or are we calling like a like a show where it has to come in by um We'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, I got. I definitely have a plan for it. Don't, it's like, don't I don't know that. who our picks are, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, fun show, guys. Uh, we'll see you here next week.